If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel. I am so happy that you've joined us today. Today, we're talking all about letting go of toxic relationships. And let me tell you, this one gets really personal for me. I have had the lovely encounter of many toxic relationships, but I talk about one in particular that has gone on for like 15 years, and I'm finally figuring out how to let go of it internally, how to be at peace. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with you guys today. We have a new Patreon supporter. I want to give them a shout out, Teresa Lewis. Thank you, thank you for jumping on board and supporting this show. I I get so excited when new Patreons sign up. It just validates this work and it makes me feel like, hey, I'm not in this by myself. (laughs) Like I'm not just talking to myself every week. There are people engaging in this work. And for a creative, that just means the world. So Teresa Thank you. Bless you for jumping on board with this. And I look so forward to hearing from you and connecting with you. To any of you guys who are interested in supporting this show, you can learn more about that on my website, AnnaDimmel.com, and click on the link Patreon at the top. Without any further ado, let's get to it. Here we go. From as long as I can remember, and maybe some of you guys can relate to this, I have wanted everyone to like me, right? Like, if you don't like me, it's a challenge for me to, like, overcome. If I feel that you're hesitant about me, I am like, I can rise to this. I can master this. I'm going to prove to you that whatever you're thinking is wrong and that I'm fantastic. Like, it's it's kind of a sickness. I cannot handle people not liking me. And so back in high school, this was super obvious because the people who weren't great towards me, like a boyfriend I had in high school that he was on the football team. He was so cute and he completely broke my heart. That guy Let me tell you, I gave him a piece of my mind when that heartbreak came in front of all of his friends, in front of the entire football team. I told him up, down, and straight through the middle why he was an idiot for not liking me. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to tell you how great I am here in front of everybody. And 
ironically enough, we ended up becoming and staying pretty decent friends. And to this day, he laughs about that encounter because I was like so committed (laughs) to making sure that he knew what he was losing out on. As I grew older, I kind of adapted my strategy to be not quite as assertive, but more um, Christian, I think is the right word. And so if I felt misunderstood by a friend or an acquaintance and I thought, uh-oh, they misread that situation, they have a weird opinion of me now, how am I going to fix this? I would go to the over-humble approach and become the servant, become the one giving and giving and giving strictly in an attempt to show them that I wasn't whatever I thought they thought I was. Both examples there are kind of on the extreme end, but they both were very rooted in the same place. Both of them came from this place of, I am afraid of people not liking me. You know, it's interesting how much of our life is based on fear and how many decisions we make based on fear. And for me, The whole relationship spectrum, whether it be a relationship with a friend, a spouse, a partner, a child, an acquaintance, a coworker, so many of those relationships, if I boil down to the nitty gritty of my heart, most of my interactions were based on fear, fear of not measuring up, fear of not being enough, fear of being rejected, fear of not being liked, fear of not being included fear of not being the favorite. Like I could go on and on and on. Now, of course, in my younger 20-something young adult stage, I didn't know that's where all of that was coming from. I just knew I was really compelled to make people like me. (laughs) And, you know, the sad truth is, is that those of us who tend to be this way, no matter how we wear it, tend to get, especially if you wear it in the context of being a servant or in the context of trying to be really godly and love them like super sacrificially and unconditionally, no matter how they are towards you, you can end up in some very unhealthy relationships very quickly. And that's what I want to talk about today. Most toxic relationships don't often set out to be toxic. Most of them, you enter into them believing they're going to be good, believing the best, believing that I will get back what I'm putting in. And what's interesting is that when we go in with that mindset, it becomes really hard to undo that mindset. Beliefs are strong. They are powerful. And especially when it comes to people We tend to latch on to a belief about a person, and it is very hard to undo that belief. You see this very significantly in parental relationships. As a child, you, no matter how old you are, you view your parent as someone who should love you unconditionally, someone who would always want the best for you, someone who will always hear you someone who should always be ready to meet your needs, right? Like you come with these beliefs and no matter how many times that person or parental figure in this scenario lets you down, that belief stays put. And so letting go of a belief about a person, whether good or bad, is 
really challenging. So when you go into a relationship, as I said, you're not thinking this is going to end badly. You're not thinking this person is going to end up taking advantage of me or being abusive in some way. Like no one would enter into a relationship if they thought that was what was on the table. But so often when it turns from healthy to toxic, a lot of us are so married to that belief of what we think the person could, should, would be that we just go along with it. So centering back towards the way we handle our fears with people. Back to myself. I handled my fear of being rejected, not included, not wanted, all those things. I handled that by becoming an overachiever in the submissive, giving, loving, unconditionally, you ask for something, I'll give you 10 times that type of posture. And really, it's kind of nice to be that person because you really are always keeping your side of the street clean. No matter who you are interacting with, if you approach them with love constantly and turning the other cheek constantly, always ready to forgive constantly, that posturing of a heart is amazing. In fact, you probably know people like this and you're like, oh my gosh, that person is incredible. I want to be them, right? Like I, I will say that that goal is a good, solid goal. That goal is about as Christ-like as you can get. But that goal can get warped and twisted if you're coming at it with a motive of self-preservation. Yuck, right? Like I know so many of you, your stomach's just dropped. You're like, oh yeah, self-preservation. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. (laughs) Guys, it's so a thing. And as I found myself in relationships where I was constantly giving and loving and showing up and taking the abuse, if you will, whether it be verbal or emotional or what have you, my continuance to show up had to do with two things, fear and survival. My self-preservation survival instincts don't tell me to flight. (laughs) My fight or flight is almost always fight. And in this case, being someone who wanted to be godly, someone who wanted to be good, someone who wanted to follow somebody like Jesus, my way of fighting was through love. My way of fighting was not through, I'm going to match you the way you matched me. I'm going to tear you down the way you're tearing me down. That was not the way I fought. I fought through constant love. I was fighting to somehow gain their approval and somehow gain a healthy relationship. Most of us, when we're involved with a toxic person, our motives, we really, in the end, we are wanting a healthy relationship. And I want all of you guys to know that because I think When you are in a bad relationship, no matter what kind of relationship we're talking about, and it's not healthy, and people are telling you it's not healthy, you know it's not healthy, you can kind of beat yourself up over that. Like, there's some shame involved that happens when you're in bad relationships. And I just want to tell you, there is no shame in desiring someone to be healthy. There's no shame in wanting someone to love you back. 
There is no shame in wanting a relationship that is good and where you are loved and liked. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is what happens when we don't receive those things and yet we continue to chase after them. Rather than finding somebody new altogether, we just like obsessively chase after that one person believing it's going to get better. So I'm going to tell you a little story about a toxic relationship in my life. And you know, I I wish that there weren't very many, but can I get an amen from you guys? Like the older I get, and maybe you're finding this too, like, do you find that there are more and more toxic people on your list? Like the older you get, you're like, oh, this one's not healthy either. I've got to chuck that bad boy. Like, like I'm, I'm really realizing how unbalanced my choices in relationships have been. Okay. So here's the story. I'm going to use one as an example. So years ago, this person came into my life and it's a family dynamic. And so, you know, there's no escaping, right? God bless family. And a married in person. So it's not like I've known them since childhood or anything, but met as adults. And I sincerely believed that, okay, we can have a good friendship. Like we can get to know each other. This will work. And so in my young 20-something-year-old self, I approached the relationship with caution, but I was pretty open. Those of you who know me, I I wear a lot of what I'm thinking out there. Like, I, I don't hide much of what's processing inside my brain. Um, deep feelings, I can articulate fairly well, which sometimes catches people off guard, but I'm not afraid to go there. I, in fact, would rather have a relationship with a friend that I can be vulnerable and deep and open with. So, you know, if we're going to go to coffee, I'm not going to shy away from much. (laughs) Like you're just going to get, you're going to get whatever's happening inside my head. And so we, we met up for coffee and we were talking and sharing and I, I was pretty open and I look back on that now and think, Oh, maybe I was a little too abrupt maybe a little too upfront with some opinions or some um, of the ways I answered some questions. But you know what? I was 20-something. We're just going (laughs) to, we're going to give grace to that. Um, So years go on and somewhere along the way, this person got offended. And I, I am not sure what exactly happened that offended this person. Um, But I can tell you that for 10 years solid, I've tried really hard to figure it out and fix it. Hey there, I want to take a quick break to talk to you about one of my favorite things. After dealing with stress and anxiety, I made a lot of changes to my life. One of them was the use of essential oils. I used to be so skeptical of essential oils. I honestly didn't think they did anything more than just smell good. But people have been using essential oils for thousands of years, for dietary purposes to spiritual and physical use. From powerful oils like frankincense that I use during meditation, to blends like peace and calming that I diffuse when I feel anxious, or one of my favorites, the topical oil Copaba, which is found in the cannabis plant. I use Young Living Oils because they have been a forerunner in harnessing the power of essential oils and maintaining superior potency and quality. To check out all of my favorite Young Living Oils, go to my website, AnnaDimmel.com, 
and click on the link Shop Wellness at the top of the page. Now let's get back to the show. I would go above and beyond to try to be nice and go above and beyond to never say no, go above and beyond to give gifts, above and beyond to like go out of my way to say, hey, how are you? How's this? How's that? You know, I really went out of my way where this person chose to like do the avoidance game or they would choose to, when they would talk to me, make a really um, condescending comment or, I mean, it just, guys, this got mean and toxic real fast. And if this were any other person, I would have been like, and goodbye. (laughs) Like, if you can't tell me to my face what's going on, why you're mad at me, then, you know, I don't see how we can have a friendship. But this person's in my family. So what do you do when you have to see this person and you want there to be peace and you want there to be harmony and you want so badly for them to like get that you're not out to get them or get that you are not their enemy or get that like whatever offended them was completely taken out of context or whatever. Like I just wanted to fix it. So what happened over the last 10 years is I dug deep in my faith. I dug deep in my prayers. I dug deep in my fasting over time. And I dug deep into this servant mentality. Now, I'm going to take a pause and tell you that a large part of this came from me having to choose to forgive this person for the mean comments for the really, really not cool behavior, um, for saying and doing things that really hurt. And I I didn't ever respond to any of those attacks, but it doesn't mean that I didn't want to. It doesn't mean that I didn't like stay awake at night thinking of what I would have said if I wasn't trying to be nice, <laughs> right? And what I really wish I could say if no one would hear me. Like I... I still played that out in my head and my heart got so hurt and angry that I had to forgive this person. And if I didn't, I knew I was going to become like them. Like my heart was going to that like hardened place fast. And I, I don't have a hard heart. So I could tell it was happening. And I was like, ew, I don't want to be in the same room with this person and feel rage. Like I don't want to live that way. And so, I made it a point to make forgiveness part of my daily practice. And gosh, for those of you guys that have walked through some heavy forgiveness, no matter who it was for, you know that it is not easy work. Like the inner work of forgiveness is hard and yet it's so valuable. So while I was going through that forgiveness practice and um, a little tip here, this is how I did it. I literally woke up every morning and prayed for this person. And my prayers in the beginning were like, dear Jesus, help her to not be mean. (laughs) Like That was it. Like I couldn't say anything else. But by the end of a couple months of doing this, I was sincerely praying for goodness for her and praying for peace and praying for good things to happen and, and for her life to be full and joyful and all the things that I would have wanted someone to pray for me. In that season, 
my heart grew so soft that giving was easy. And I think there is a time and place for this. And that's why I'm going to say, I don't think it's wrong to take an approach of unconditional giving love. And I would even say this, I've said this to friends who are in terribly toxic marriages and the spouse is just being a complete and utter mean, mean, hurtful person. There are times when you are walking through forgiving and you are walking through compassion and understanding and grace that you do come to a place of servanthood where you do come to a place of, you know what, I'm going to lay down my life for this person because I love them and I'm going to turn the other cheek because I love them and I'm going to choose to show them that I'm not their enemy and that I am like for them. I'm on their side. There's a definite place for that. And I think it's beautiful when people are able to respond to a toxic person this way. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Um, So I went through a season of that and I got really good at it, guys. Like achieving me, (laughs) Enneagram 3, I was like all in, like full frontal, full in. I was giving it my all. You know, it didn't work. (laughs) I really thought, like, in my mind, I romanticized this whole thing to be like, okay, I'm going to be this way for like a year or so. And then, like, they're just going to get it. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, this person really is genuine. Anna really isn't mean. And she really wants to be my friend. And maybe I misjudged her. Maybe I misread her. Let's, like, try to fix this. I mean, I played that out so many times in my head and it never happened. Like it never happened. Five years in, six years in, seven years in, um, it diffused a lot of anger and it certainly diffused tension. I will say that I, I reaped benefits of peace for a large majority of that time. And I'm so very thankful for that. But as for a relationship being restored or somehow healed, That did not happen. In fact, it almost felt as though my acts of kindness and my desire to do the right thing was misjudged too. And for a person who's trying really hard to do the thing right and they do the thing right and it still isn't working, that feels like such a failure. Like I, I really, really felt like I did it wrong. What else can I do to fix this? I've done everything I know to do. I did it the Jesus way. I did it the Bible way. I did the forgiving thing. Like, and this person still feels like they hate me. And so skip forward to now where I am in this season of my life, the last couple of years where I'm completely deconstructing my faith and in the process of piecing it back together. And do I still think forgiveness is necessary? Of course, because it's a gift for you, not for them. And I would have said that back then too. Do I feel that you are supposed to lay down your life for someone eternally and let them continue to mistreat you eternally? No, I do not. <laughs> I definitely do not. And 
that is where I think I got off because once I stepped into that rhythm, it's like I thought that was going to be the answer and I didn't know how to stop that rhythm. That became my MO. I mean, when you're doing something for five, six, seven, eight years, it kind of becomes your rhythm where I'm the nice one, you're the bad one, I say nice things, you get a thrill out of like chopping me down and we do the whole thing next week. Like it's it's so unhealthy. It is so toxic, right? Toxic. Here I am present day and I am having to take off the, um, you know, I almost said the faith mask. And I've never used that word before. And I think it popped into my head because it's the only word I know, the only way I know how to describe this. There is a mask that we put on when you grow up in a very, um, not even grow up, live any section of your life in a strong religious, spiritual climate, especially when, when church and Christianity is involved, where there is this whole thing of you faith it till you make it. I don't know if you guys have heard that or not. I hate that phrase. But this whole idea of, well, I'm going to claim it in faith. I'm going to believe in faith. In faith, this is going to be this. In faith, my marriage will be saved. In faith, you know, X, Y, Z, insert what you're hoping for. The thing about faith is that it's not a formula. And so when I say faith mask, that's what I mean. Like this mask of I'm going to put on blinders to the reality of what's happening in front of me and put on a faith mask that tells me if I do X, Y, Z, it's all going to be fine. The magic Jesus water is going to make everything grow beautifully and perfectly and it'll be restored and redeemed and then I'll be a testimony at church someday. I wore that mask a lot. And that mask, although well-intentioned, did me a lot of harm in the long run because I stopped seeing reality. When I wore that mask in my marriage, I went so far inside myself. I was completely oblivious to the chronic state of my marriage. Like it it's shocking that it lasted as long as it did. But that faith mask, man, I just kept, nope, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it in the name of Jesus. I'm believing that this is going to be fixed. He's going to do this. I'm going to do this. Everything's going to be fixed. Why do I go into a Southern accent when I pray? I, Y'all, I don't know. I grew up in Nashville. I'm going to blame it on my childhood. Anyway, I, I sincerely believed the faith mask was faith, like was real faith. But you guys... Now in the season of life I'm in, I am taking off that mask of the Jesus water is going to fix everything. And I'm actually looking at things as they are and allowing faith to be that thing that rises up in me that says, even still, you're going to be okay because you have faith in a bigger picture than this. Even still, even though you're broken, even though you're grieving, even though this was lost, even though this thing died, you're going to rise and you are going to be fine. Your legacy, your mission, your personal goal in life is not over. Faith says this ain't done yet. Not this ain't done as in this relationship. Oh, honey, the relationship might be very done. 
But this ain't done yet in you. You are not dead because that relationship died. You and your purpose doesn't go away because that thing didn't work out. You are fine. You see, faith has so much more to do with an inner dialogue than it does anything external. And and I believe that so much of the Christian language has royally messed this up because faith is tacked on to healings. Faith is tacked on to prosperity. Faith is tacked on to marriages being fixed. Faith is tacked on to kids stopping using drugs or whatever. Like faith is this Band-Aid fix this magic cure that cures all things. And so we put the thing on and then we don't get the cure and we're like, I'm the mess up. I didn't have the right faith. So let me try a different faith mask. We're going to try this, the, the faith of fasting. I'm going to try that and see if that works. Nope, that didn't work. I'm going to try the faith of tithing more. We're going to see if that works. Nope, that didn't work. I'm going to try the faith of like quoting verses all day and writing them on my walls and saying them until I'm blue in the face and just believing that that's going to work. Nope, that didn't work. I'm going to put on the mask of if I tell Satan how it's going to be every day and I rebuke this and rebuke that, maybe it'll work. It doesn't work. It's madness. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes the person gets healed. Sometimes the marriage gets fixed. But I I would venture to a guess to say that your faith didn't fix that person. Your faith didn't fix the marriage. Your faith inside of you may have done work in you that helped the thing, but it's not what's going to fix another person entirely. They have their own journey. And so when you start involving relationships where two people with two free minds, two free ways of thinking, two free wills join up in a friendship or a marriage or a relationship, there's two players involved. So I can't carry you. You can't carry me. We each have to bring our own faith, our own desire, our own will and gumption to the table. We both have to have skin in the game. I heard a friend once tell me, she's like, why do you think that the knight had to slay the dragon before he could win the princess? And I said, why? And she said, it showed he had skin in the game. You know, too often you engage in relationships where you are the only one putting skin in the game. Relationships do not work that way. Reality says that will be unhealthy for them and it will be very unhealthy and damaging for you. So I'm in this position now where I've taken off this mask of faith and I'm looking at this relationship in particular with my eyes wide open and I'm saying, okay, so I'm not mad at this person because I have been walking in forgiveness for so many years now that I don't even remember if I was mad at you, what it would have been over because I've let it all go. (laughs) Like I've moved on with my life, but this person has not moved on. They are still angry and still vindictive and still very abusive in their words and in the way they attack me with comments and things. And I'm just like, huh? So now what do I do? So now do I continue to lay down and say, oh, yes, please pour me another drink of toxicity, please pour your your poison all over me and let me just pretend to be the carpet and you can just walk all over me. 
Soak me with the poison. I will forgive you in the morning and I will be fine. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Like, no, (laughs) no, I, I am worth more than that. And so many of you need to hear that today, that you are worth more than being treated as a doormat, than being treated as someone that gets poured toxic poison language over every day. You are worth more. And I'm not saying that that means now I turn into the same type of vindictive person that is now going to tear them apart every chance I get. No, that's not me. I don't want to be that. But I can tell you what I am no longer signing up for. I am no longer obsessing about them liking me. Taking off this face mask allowed me to see the reality that no matter what I do, this person very well may never like me. This person may very well never accept me, may very well always hate me and spread things about me. I don't like that reality. Would you like that reality? No. The faith mask felt way better. But here's the reality that I'm learning to sit with is that this is what is. And so I can choose to fight what is. And by fighting, I've already explained how I tend to fight. Or I can be at peace with it. Now, my question is, does it take more faith to fight? Or does it take more faith to be at peace with it? Yeah, I'm going to let you think about that for a bit. It's a lot harder for me to be at peace with what is. With something that I admit I can't fix. With something I admit I can't change. It is hard for me to sit with all of those fears that become a reality. My fears are coming true. This person is rejecting me. Fact. This person does not like me. Fact. This person will not accept me. Fact. Those are all my fears. Every single one of them. And so spirit is inviting me into a place where I can sit with that and be okay with that. What on earth? Why would I ever want to be okay with that? Well, I will tell you why. Because I want to sleep at night. Because I don't want to feel tension every time they text me something angry or mean and feel panicked all night trying to come up with a response that will prove to them that I'm a great person. I don't want that anymore. I'm tired. Like, I'm tired. And I've decided that my life doesn't need to have things like that in it. I don't want things like that in it. I want peace. More than anything, I want my heart to be still. I want my mind to be at peace. And I have the power, as do you, to allow and disallow anything in my headspace that I want. So in this scenario, I just decided... I'm not going there anymore. I'm going to accept everything they think and not try to change it because I, it's exhausting and it's a losing battle and my peace is more important than that. And you know, what's interesting is in doing this, I actually feel like I'm fighting more for myself than I ever felt when I was like exhausting myself, trying to win over their approval or win their affection. I, I don't care. And that's so crazy because I've never not cared what someone thinks about me. I, and I can't say this about everyone in my life, but in this particular 
situation, I believe I've crossed some sort of like threshold of something new because in this place, I don't care. And you know how I know I don't care? Because, and this is why I want to talk about this this week when it was fresh on my mind, is that there was an an encounter with this person recently and And they went for it. Like they were not holding back. It's almost like all these years of peace, they were just storing up energy to explode on me one day and the explosion came. And what they were describing, I was like, so lost. (laughs) I, I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And I realized this person does not spend time with me. This person does not know me. This person has not taken the time to invest in getting to know me. So all of these Things they're accusing me of thinking, which was most of what the verbal attack was, they really believe they're in my head and know what I'm thinking. I literally kind of giggled because I'm like, huh, you don't know me. Now, if you were someone that spent time with me, that invested in my world and in my life and didn't just wave at me every couple months when you see me, but actually like sat down eyeball to eyeball and talked. I would listen to your opinion about what you think I was thinking because you might be onto something. But someone who doesn't know you, you should never, ever carry their words with much weight because what they have done in their toxic rhythm that they've entered into is that they have decided who they think you are and they are never going to give you a chance to undo that. They have decided and married themselves to this idea of what goes on in your head, that they really never know what goes on in your head, but they sincerely believe that they do. And so you can't really do anything but like observe and laugh it off. (laughs) Like, I just kind of was like, wow, I don't know how you got there, but that was a lot of time you spent investing into that. Like, holy cow. All right. And these were, (laughs) this was legitimately my response. I was like, well, I cannot control what you think about me. But back to what we were actually discussing, if you need anything more about this, let me know. And I like dropped it. I was done. They continued on and continued on and continued on via texting, all the things. And I let it go. Guys, I'm done. I'm all done. And it feels great. Like I went to bed that night. I slept fine. You know, the text messages are popping up and I'm just like, Yeah, I respond if I need to, like with a factual response. But as far as opinions of me, I'm not going to defend or deny or anything. I'm just like, you have a right to your opinion. So be it. So be it. I have learned my lesson that I cannot control what you think. So it is what it is. And, you know, when you come to this place, I don't feel angry. I don't feel emotional. And usually when this person would launch an attack, my reaction was panic. My reaction was fear. My reaction was like sadness and anger. And I'm just, I'm facing reality. The mask is gone. I see it for what it is. I've chosen to sit with it and accept it for what it is. I've forgiven. I've let it go. I don't know why they're still mad. I wish I could tell you. Some people just like being mad. I've just decided that. And if you happen to be the target of their anger, I am so sorry. But you know what? You don't have to keep absorbing it. There is nothing 
that says you have to keep absorbing it. In fact, you have every right and every tool inside of you to forgive it, to let it go, and to sever that emotional tie to toxicity. Now, I realize this gets way more complicated with a spouse or a partner or a significant other where it's not just someone that you're forced to see at get-togethers every now and then. I get it's different. And taking steps to protect yourself may look a lot different. But my point is, when you are able to take off the mask and see things for what they really are, choosing to accept what is and letting go of what you can't control is where freedom really happens. I have never felt this free from this person ever. And ironically, I've let go of every Christian jargon mantra that was ever told to me about loving your enemies or turning the other cheek or all that stuff. Like I've, I've let go of it all. And the only difference is that I'm actually sitting in a space of reality and I'm not clouding over reality with magic prayers or faith in, you know, something becoming something it's not like I'm, I'm looking at things with realness. I'm accepting the reality and I'm moving on. You have permission to move on. And some of you may have somehow received a message that it means you failed if you let go, or it means that you've not done enough if you move on and it didn't get fixed or it's not healed or it's not restored or it's not right. Let me just take that off of you. You didn't fail. There is nothing more you can do than show up and be kind, be respectful, and be honest. And if those three things get you landed in a camp of rejection and anger, it's not you, my friend. That problem is not you. And so I invite you, whatever toxic relationship you're dealing with, to take off the faith mask of what you really believe it can be or hope that it should be. Take it off for a minute and let's just Let's just look on the table at what actually is. What's actually going on? What is actually happening? And what do we do with that? That's the space you're invited into. You're invited to be at peace with what is and let go of what you cannot fix and what you cannot change. And letting go differs for all of us. For me, it was a mental letting go. I still have to engage at times But my engagements with this person are really minimal because I'm not trying to convince them of anything. I have stopped the gift giving. I have stopped the going out of my way. I'm all done. I'm all done. My mind and my heart and my time and my energy and my mental health need to be free. And so we are. And if this person decides one day to come make amends, great. My heart is soft. I'm totally open to that. But if not, oh, well. My life goes on. I'm fine. I'm no longer tied to the need of them to like me. I'm no longer tied to the need for it to be fixed. I love you all very much. I hope that this connected. I hope that this encouraged you. And know that I'm thinking of every single one of you and that all of you, all of you deserve good, healthy things, especially relationships. Go in peace.
Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.